This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Meg Eckhart of Gilderland. She has a soothing alto voice and says music speaks to a person's heart. She grew up listening to her English mother sing everything from folk songs to bar songs as she bustled about the house doing chores. Eckhart did the same raising her own children. Singing, she says, gives her a sense of freedom. She has sung in church choirs since she was seven, and now she's also a member of the Octavo Singers. The group has its roots in the Great Depression, when WPA funds promoted low-cost recreation. Eckert says that at a time when people were stressed, perhaps out of work and isolated, music binds everyone together. What what are you? A soprano, an alto? What? I'm an alto, an alto. And, a, and a low alto at that. Okay. So it's it's a much more comfortable range for me. Um, every every single voice has something different and primarily because I wasn't I didn't have any real true formal training like my entire life growing up until recently with this group. Um I just my natural voice tends to go in those lower, uh, you know, scales. So my upper register maybe goes up to uh, a middle C or a little bit above that, like say an A, and then I go down below to a lower A or something lower than that. That's just been my comfort zone forever, and I think that has to also do with um, my mom, who I learned to sing with forever from the time I was a little girl um, until like my work um, in the healthcare field. I did a lot of work with the elderly and the lower your voice is, the easier it is for most hearing impaired people um, to hear you. Most people don't realize this and even people in the healthcare field don't understand that higher voices are really difficult to hear. So those lower ranges, like what I'm, even what I'm speaking now, um, tend to uh, make it easier for a, a hard of hearing person if it's not something that you know came from an accident or something you were born with. Just the average hearing loss tends to translate well yeah, to lower voices. Yeah, I go every voices. year to get my hearing tested, and each year I lose more and more of the upper range. Yeah. You have a very comforting voice, too. Well, thank you. <laughs> so tell me about singing with your mother. Who, who was your mother? Well... It's an interesting story. My mom came, she was born in London and came to America in 1956. Um, She was a a, a midwife in England and uh, among other types of nursing she did. That was was her last kind of um, job when she lived there. And when she moved to this country, um, she brought with her a host of genetic backgrounds. My grandfather, her dad, um, sang for the BBC um, in the early days of radio. And so he was one of many people in the family that sang, but he sang all the time. My mom sang all the time. And when we were really little, we learned all those, all those, you know, I don't want to call them bar songs, but (laughs) they were all the songs that she grew up with that, you know, big band and like, you know, the folk songs that they you just sing in England. And so when we were very little, that's what she did. She bustled around the house and sang all the time to just herself or, or with us. 
And, you know, I was the oldest, so I had the most experience of any of it. And she taught me all sorts of songs on purpose. Well, as I got older, um, I was encouraged to participate. There was, I talked to my husband the other day, and I, I said to him, there was music in the house all the time. It, it was came from all over, so we learned you know, Benny Goodman and uh, Tommy Dorsey and the Andrews sisters, but we also learned English folk songs. And we learned, um, my sister and I were in a, a choir in our church. I started singing in my uh, parish in when I was seven, after I got my first communion. And uh, that's just been a part of my background. So so all all the way through from the time I was young, I had the formal choir settings, and um, any time that I moved someplace, it dawned on me eventually that joining a choir would be really helpful because that's just the kind of person I've grown up being. Um, so when I moved to the area... But from wait, before we get there, because we <laughs> went through your childhood so fast, and I just love this picture I'm getting in my mind. Your mother would be like doing housework, bustling mm -hmm. about, and just singing, singing as she did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Were there certain songs that went with certain chores or just sort of random no, on the I day? Think it was, I think it just depended on her mood. Yeah. You know, and there was definitely times that she wanted us to learn things. So she taught me the Marseillaise, which is the French national anthem, as soon as I could speak. De la patrie. There you go. That's the one. <laughs> so I learned that at a young, young age. So oh, wow. you know, but there all of that was just a part of, of the fabric of the house, you know. And what about your siblings? You said you were the oldest. How mm -hmm. many others I have a sister who's fifteen months behind me. She's local as well. And uh, we have a brother um, that is the, the youngest in the family. Uh, and did all three of you sing together? No. 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 Just they, Brid, uh, I played an instrument as well. Actually, a couple. Bridget actually played way more than I did. She had all sorts of instruments she was really good at. Um, and my brother uh, started off, but it really wasn't his thing. Um, and so, you know, the the person that does the music now the most um, is me. And uh, we have a son who um, graduated with his master's in music history uh, a year and a half ago. And uh, that's going to be going forward. That's what his continued um, training is going to be. He's looking to get a, a Ph.D. in musicology someplace. It just hasn't happened yet. So. Oh, my. Yeah. So did you do the same thing with your children that your mother did with you? Were you singing about the house? I'm, sure I, I'm sure I did. I, you yeah. know, it's one of those things you don't really pay attention to. It's just something you do. And, I, you know, I drive around in the car and I'm singing music that I've listened to on the radio and, and uh, sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. Um, but that's I think it's just a part of just the daily stuff, you know? I don't think all of us do that. I, I, I don't know. You know. I don't know. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> I think most of us listen to recorded music, but not necessarily opening our own mouths and singing, yeah. which is a very different thing. I guess so. I don't know. It's uh, The other day I was, I was out with my dad, and uh, something happened about a hat, and uh, a song popped into my head, and then I couldn't let it go and so I took him home and I called up Alexa and you know played the song so it just sort of left my brain 
it's it's it can be challenging sometimes, but um, it's always been a part of you know my day to day thing. So um, if you t- ask my kids that question, they'd probably say yes. She's saying all the time, but I, it it was uh, it was a great way to grow up. So I'm sure I must have with the three of them. So yeah. So I interrupted your narrative. You were saying that when you moved to a new place, you joined a choir. Mm-hmm. And tell me why. What what does that? Well, that's a great question. I think for me, um, that's a, it's a foundational thing. Wherever I've been, if I've been able to be a part of a, of a folk group or a choir, I feel saddled. And uh, I've lived in a lot of different areas. I went to college in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. I went, I've, I've been all over. Uh, I lived out in Cobleskill uh, when it, before I moved to the Albany area, um, working in the hospital out there. Uh, and just all the different places, if there was a a community of vocalists that I could connect to, that was like home base. So um, I think you find it's just perhaps a like-minded group of people that you don't need to, like, explain yourself. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to um, tell your story if you don't want to. It's a shared experience that makes being in a choir, a very rewarding situation for me. I'm I'm much better at um, using my voice in music rather than talk like this. This is this is okay, but I would I would much rather be singing because it just gives me a, a sense of freedom that I don't have otherwise. And and again, it's that shared experience. Um, it's a part of a of a team that you're working on something that matters. Um, and then you have the culmination of that event in a, in a concert or, you know, even like in church, if it's it's a weekly thing. I've always been a part of a, of a church group, um, you know, folk groups or a, a formal choir always. And so, you know, if that's every Sunday, that's part of it. But that shared experience um, with a group of people that feel the same way that you do. Um, and sharing that same kind of music that you enjoy really makes a huge difference to me. I feel very much more part of the community if I, than if I didn't do it, if I didn't have that. So. so how does it differ, or maybe it doesn't, singing in a church choir with singing, say, with the octavo? Uh, well, I think that's a great question. I think that it's, a, it's different only in the kind of music you perform. And also the size of the group. So I've never had the opportunity to sing in this larger group in a in a parish as I do with the octavos. We have generally hover around a hundred vocalists, uh, and that really gives you a breadth of vocal um, people that are doing different things, different um, different passages that you wouldn't get in a, in a parish choir um, for a variety of reasons, I suppose. But like the folk group I belong to now is um, at our church in, in Albany. And we have, you know, altos, sopranos, bass that wander through. Um, but it's not going to be the same kind of music that you can sing with a hundred voices. Uh, and so it's no less important and it's 
perhaps more intimate, especially depending on the church you belong to. Our parish is a very small parish in downtown Albany. Uh, and, you know, you don't need it to be 100 voices. That would be overwhelming. Um, so it, that brings it into a more intimate situation. And it's more of a service. Um, I feel it's more of a service to the to the to the um, parish. But when it comes to that larger choir, it gives you flexibility. It gives you a, a, a more of a direction in terms of the kind of music you're going to sing. We primarily sing um, uh, uh, masses, so not like like the formal mass, like a Catholic church kind of mass, but they were written um, in different eras uh, and it has that same kind of a formal structure. So uh, anybody who had any music training would understand it, but you have an, an opening, you have a, a diff- different kinds of um, songs that were used or music that was used in the uh, in those early years. So say Handel or Mozart, or um, any of those, they were used to educate people that were a part of the the um, congregation. So, as you're as you're singing these songs, it's devotion and it's a devotion to God, to Christ, to the Virgin Mary that are sprinkled throughout the Mass. But they tell different stories through the music. So one of the most famous pieces is Handel's Messiah. Most people that have ever heard Christmas music would recognize any of the tunes. Hallelujah chorus is the most famous. You hear that everywhere, even if it's not in a in a choir concert kind of uh, thing. We do Handel's Messiah every Christmas, and I had people tell me just recently that's Christmas to me. They can't wait for us to restart. Um, this coming fall, we had to take a year off like everybody else did. And the people that were in our choir really missed it. But surprisingly, amount a large amount of people really missed coming to our concerts. And everyone knows about the Messiah that we do every year because it's something that people look for. You know, um, being a part of that kind of group uh, with the expanded format of something that I've never sung. We sing every chorus and we have the standard uh, format that we have is the um, chamber orchestra and then we have soloists that come in and they are formally trained, extraordinary vocalists, really, really good. Um, And so when the community comes to that concert, they know what they're going to get and they look forward to it a great deal. Enough to weather really bad Christmas winter storms <laughs> to come. So, is it in a set place every year? Do you have it? Uh, usually, it was. It, it's been held at Union College. Um, uh, Union College. The, there's a there's a hall there that is perfectly uh, perfect for the acoustics for the music. Uh, so, I'm not sure about this year. Um, we're we're. We're looking at different options in terms of places that we could go, um, but uh, that's usually where it is, and that helps people find us anyway. So, uh, so um, this year, I just want to mention this year we're having a conversation uh, on about doing a, a what's called a, a community singing. So a lot of people know this piece. They also perhaps have had their own. 
um, their own uh, books to sing along with. So we're going to have a section that comes in and opens it up to the community of, like, say, someone like myself that didn't ever know about this group has a has a copy of the of the score. I could just show up and sing it, be, sing my part like everybody else is doing. So we're we're having that kind of conversation. I think that's going to turn out to be a really positive experience for a lot of people. So I want to bring that up here because if anybody who's listening wants to join us, um, there'll be more information forthcoming. Yeah, so this would be just for that one performance. They'd come with yeah. their score and they'd be able to participate in this grand tradition. Yep. But if someone wants to think about joining for real, to be a member, mm-hmm. how, how do they go about doing that? Just show up. Really? Mm-hmm. There aren't tryouts or nope. no? Wow! No, nope. it's a it's a it's an incredible um, part of what makes our choir special. Uh, we are in particular looking for a group of people that um, have had some sort of training, you know, uh, that know how to read scores and that sort of thing, but. Curtis, our our um, artistic director and and uh, and our um, maestro, does ear training scales, all that warm in terms of warm up. And so, even if you've never really had a lot of training, if you're willing to try, um, that's all you need. There's no sign. I mean, you just have to show up. You have to know when to come. But we we um, rehearse at uh, a, a church in uh, Schenectady, Zion Lutheran, and we're anticipating being able to go back there when we start back up in the fall in September. Uh, but that's it. That's all you need is um, a desire to be able to be a part of that choir and to learn and um, and go from there. And. A hundred people is a lot. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, you probably can't characterize or typify, but like, what are some of the range of people that that sing together in this? Um, different ages, different, oh, oh, different, yeah. um, different backgrounds, ages, different different occupations. All of that. Yeah. You know, I. It's it's a large enough group. It, the nice thing about it is that it's a very social group. Uh, we really work towards. Um, making people feel welcome and connected to each other because, well, first of all, that's why you come. The second reason is, of course, that the more you get to know each other, the better the performances are going to be just because it's part of a team. So, so, you know, there's young people, there's older people, there's people that have had a lot of formal training. There's people that like myself, had very little. I mean, the only formal training I ever really had was really excellent choir directors all through my my uh, formative years. Uh, and we did a piece a couple of years ago that I found really challenging. It's a lot of fun to really dig your teeth into something that's not easy. And for me, that's part of the draw for this group. You could just pull out sheet music and just sing. And that's all good. Everybody's got Every, every place that has a particular kind of performance and a kind of music structure is suitable for the people that want to sing in it. This group for me is really unique in that um, we're not afraid to tackle challenging pieces. So we have a variety of um, new and older. So like we do Handel's Messiah every year, that was written in the early centuries. But we just did a piece a couple of years ago um, 
that uh, was fairly modern. It's called um, Mass for the Children. And uh, it, it's the, the composer is English, and it was done... Um, written in the middle of the middle of the 19th century or 20th century. And so we do a wide variety of kinds of music from the different eras. Um, and that really cottons to all the different kinds of people that come to our uh, join our community. Um, I have friends that are young engineering um, professionals and older people that are from other parts of the state like myself, um, some with formal training, others with none. Uh, but that's what makes it a really terrific group. Yeah. So people make friendships within the group. They oh, yeah. get to know each other outside yeah. of singing. How often do you rehearse? What's once a, the time once a week. Once a week? Yeah, usually Mondays. I think that'll probably, there's no reason to change it. We want to keep it this year as close to what it had been um, before everything started to shut down because consistency really makes a big difference. So usually it's Mondays, 7 to 9, uh, at Zion Lutheran, um, uh, and that's all you got to do is just show up and sign up, and that's it. That's there's nothing to it besides say I'm a soprano, I'm an alto, I'm a tenor, I'm a bass, you know. So how often do you perform, and where other than this Christmas concert at Union, which sounds yeah. phenomenal, right? Which may not, yeah, we don't, we haven't determined the venue this year yet, but um, but we do. Uh, fall and then the winter concerts the messiah and then we do uh we do a spring concert every year those dates tend to change a little bit depending on the venue and what's what's happening in the community because you don't want to it's you know we as many people as we can get to come to these concerts the more the better but you don't want to interfere with say um albany pro musica or the Burnt Hills Oratorio Society, because those tend to be the same kinds of people that go to the different concerts. So uh, we try to maximize dates that haven't been picked out yet or um, that look like would be a good draw for the for the different kinds of uh, people that tend to come. Uh, so but it's always fall and it's always spring. So um, so it it makes for a very interesting uh, rehearsal times because they're really tight. Curtis starts right on time and uh, we go right through. We have a break in the middle and people, the different uh, voices bring snacks each week. So sopranos do it one week, altos <laughs> do another. And, you know, the, the guys tend to rely on their better halves to bake something or some, send something in, but not always. You know, you can tell which is going to be, you know, um, uh, Fryhofer's cookie night. And yeah. that's, usually, that's usually tenor and bass nights. So, but that's that's how we split it up. And it makes it for a lot of fun because you get like family recipes and, you know, people people gather around the table and have a chat about what happened with your mother-in-law and are your kids okay and things like that that really make it for a really special community. So it makes it for a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's been going on a long time. I guess its roots were in the Great Depression. Yep. It was a WPA function to get people singing. Yeah, well, and to create community. I mean, yeah. when you think about times when people were very stressed and a lot going on in their lives, what's the one thing that will lift somebody out of that? And, you know, I think a large part of that is participating in something other than 
you know, trying to get keep your family afloat, trying to get a job so that you can bring income in. Um, social activity is really important. And that's one of the things that I think um, is a universal truth. And that is music binds everyone together. Whether you know the music or you don't, it, music in general speaks to a person's heart, I think. That's why opera is still around. That's why these masses are still being sung. Um, a lot, most of these are really very old, uh, but they're still interesting and, and there's adaptations and so many, I have no idea. I had no idea there was this many kinds of, um, uh, choral pieces out there because they're all variations of a similar format. And it just depends on the audience and what the reason was for why the composer, you know, created the piece to start with. Where did that influence come from but universally music is a binding experience and I think that that was a major impetus for why this group was formed and why it still exists honestly this is one of the longest um, choirs that I've ever been a part of uh, and that's saying something I've been singing for a, a really long time um, but that's what makes this group so special. Well, I love this thought you just had, that music speaks to a person's heart. I just, I think that's beautiful. I wonder in your work, did you say you worked in healthcare with older people? Yes, yeah, I was a registered nurse for quite a few years. And then um, when the kids got old enough for me to just go back to school, I was home with them when they were very little. Uh, but you know, they're heading back to school, and I, I really enjoy working um, in the healthcare field. But the, I was not going to be able to be a good nurse and a good mom, um, and be sane at the same time. <laughs> I'm always in awe of people that can do all of that, but I'm not that person. So, um, I talked to my husband, and uh, massage was something I was always interested in. But and when I went to school, that was. Nobody I knew ever had an opportunity to do something like that. And then all of a sudden, a lot of programs popped up. And so I went to a school down in Hudson, Columbia Green Community College. Um, and so I went back to school uh, when the kids were all in, they were all little different ages. Um, the youngest was two, um, part-time, and and uh, got out and started working with individuals rather than, you know, hospital or nursing home, different different kinds of venues like that. So it was a great, great experience. And I worked with all types of people, you know, old, new, or old, young, it didn't matter, high school kids and the elderly. Um, and after the pandemic hit, I just, uh, I, you know, it really wasn't going to work for me anymore. I have a, you know, a father that um, is here primarily for my sister and me to work with. And, uh, He's completely fine and doesn't have everything going on mentally, but, you know, support. So, and my husband had retired. The kids are all gone. I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I can put this, I can put this hat to the side and just take care of myself, you know, for a change. But that sort of speaks to the choir itself because having that thread um, wind my way through the different eras of my life have really made it. Uh, you know, a very a touchstone, a, an opportunity to come back to center and do something that I really love. That's wonderful. I, what I was wondering was that when you were working with elderly people, if you ever used song, because I've I've read that you know, especially people 
that are losing some of their mental abilities, they can still relate to song oh, yeah. and remember song when mm-hmm. they've lost other other abilities. Right. When I when I worked um, uh, part of the time that I was a massage therapist, I worked for hospice, mm-hmm. um, and I had patients uh, that I worked with um, in different nursing homes. And the music I would bring with me to play was often music that um, was related to the, an era that mattered to them. And I would speak to their family members um, to find out different things that might, you know, elicit that kind of awakening. You know, it was so, yes, that that was definitely a part of um, some something that really I think made a difference to to the family's lives and and the, my clients as well. So, wow, yeah. Well, a couple of times in the conversation, you've mentioned the pandemic year, oh, <laughs> which yeah. I hope I hope is behind us. I, um, but we hope so <laughs> too because all of us miss it a lot. Yeah, I wondered. I know there's some. Uh, I saw a performance somewhere in Europe where they had the different members of the choir singing from their homes and putting it together. Yeah. It was very beautiful and moving. But I mean, there was nothing like that you were able to do with We talked Octavia. about it, but it was just yeah. financially, it was going to be very difficult yeah. to pull together. And um, I think that was the primary reason why it didn't really happen. Because you have to have really unique um, setups in terms of um, being able to connect all those individuals, yeah, and I the can't timing imagine with a hundred, it would just, yeah. But so you must have missed it terribly for that year, uh, just year every, and a half. Well, the, of all the things that you could be doing in terms of safety, singing is at the bottom of the list. Yeah, singing and blowing it into an instrument. Right. So yeah. this just wasn't something that was going to be, you know, uh, something that was possible. Um, the physics behind it were just. You know, science is science, and if you just look at what happens when you're singing and what you need to do to create that sound, you're all singing out in one direction. Um, so even if you're only potentially putting your own choir members at risk, it's still it's still risky. So we we had to stop, and all the singing I did everywhere had to stop because it just isn't safe. It wasn't safe. We're hoping now. Um, that 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 there's ways that we will be able to accommodate our choir members. We're gonna we've taken out a poll and said, um, do you feel safe coming back? Are you interested in coming back? And almost all of them have said yes. Some are on the fence, um, uh, and but we're hoping that you know people have been vaccinated and are going to be comfortable to come and sing together. Uh, we're, that's part of the requirement. If you're going to come and join, you know, because we're an independent group, we can say you have to be vaccinated, period. And if you're not willing to, then we'll wait until times are safer for you to join us. Um, but nobody's in a position to be able to say you have to do anything. But if you're going to be a part of the choir, that really has to be a requisite because we don't want anybody getting sick with this. We have a decent amount of older people that would be at risk um, and so why do that? I mean, you're supposed to be singing for joy and for um, upliftment. And if you're worried about it, it's not going to work. Um, but also for the, for the um, community that would come to a concert, they need to be certain and s- feel safe about coming. You know? And so if you're doing something where it's not, you can't 
as a group say, we're safe, please come. There would be no reason to have somebody pay for a ticket if they didn't feel like their family member was going to be safe. So That makes perfect sense. So yeah. do you have in mind, is there a scheduled date for the return of gathering to practice? Or um, is it? I, I'm not exactly sure yet. It hasn't been set, but usually it's early September after Labor Day. Uh, and um, that's going to be, unless we hear something otherwise, that's, that'll be you know, the, the start date. Uh, so that's the plan for now. <laughs> I wish I had a date to actually give you, but you must be anticipating that. Oh, so oh yeah. Just to be together again, be and together and work hard. Like I said, work, work towards, um, as a, as a team work towards a goal that you can then say all of, uh, we hope that as many people can come as they, as can get there because uh, anybody who's ever heard us has can't believe you don't have tryouts. We can't believe that you don't have formal training. Um, you know, because we're because it's just a lot of fun. We have a great director and the music that is just inspiring. And it, it really, speaking for myself, it has really made me want to become a better vocalist. Uh, and want to work towards it. I st- before things really broke down, I had started working with a with a vocal teacher, which I never had done before, uh, because it's re- it's meaty music and it's a lot of fun to to get better at. So it's a lot of fun. Well, your enthusiasm is contagious. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Anything you'd like to leave us with? Uh, I would just like to encourage people to uh, check us out. I mean, one of the things that um, we're hopeful uh, can be done is increase um, increase the peop- Albany County in particular awareness of our group. Uh, we've done concerts at St. Pius X up in Loudonville uh, and other venues, but a lot of people in Albany County don't really know about us because it was primarily Schenectady County, Saratoga County that were aware. Uh, but, but you're from Gilderland, I'm right? I'm from Gilderland, yeah, and, and there's a decent amount of people in our choir that are from, from the area, Gilderland, Bethlehem. Uh, but to get people to come that are not family members, you know, the, finding a way to increase the knowledge uh, is really, I think, is a key to our to our continued success. And quite honestly, people never leave the concert and don't feel edified, don't feel uplifted. I've, you know, you end up hearing people talk to each other and saying, "Wow, that was really good." Well, I'm really glad I came. Uh, my sister and my dad had never come to the concerts before I joined, and uh, they both really enjoy them. My my son, the music student, you know, all of these people, he's brought his own music um, uh, classmates to come to these concerts. Uh, nobody ever leaves without saying, well, that was really worth the price of admission because it, we really are good. Um, I, I don't want to take all the credit, but I think that the culmination of everybody working together, and then when you add the chamber orchestra, um, uh, local their local musicians, um, put that all together, it just makes for a really, really great experience. So I just would like to encourage everybody to either come and check out the choir itself and join if they're interested, um, 
but especially come to a concert. You know, we're that's part of this effort is to increase people's awareness, to let them know we're out there, and to look for the different concerts that are going to be coming up, the fall and the winter one for the Messiah, and then the springtime. There's really great music coming that a lot of people would really enjoy, even if they've never heard any of this kind of music before. I think it would really be enjoyable. So I guess that's the parting thought. (laughs) That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Melissa, for this opportunity. 